Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Winner, winner, chicken dinner! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello and welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm Jason Sobel. Joining me is Drew Stoltz, a.k.a. The Sleaze. Peter Jennings will join us in just a little bit. And we've got a very special guest to start the show with us today. The newest PGA Tour champion, winner of the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and one of the best feel-good stories on the PGA Tour in years, Nate Lashley. Nate, thanks so much for coming on the pod with us. And I know you've done the Today Show. I know you've done NBC Nightly News in the last 24, 48 hours, but I, I hope that's gotten you prepared for what you're getting into here. You know, if somebody asked me to come on, I'm, I'm going to try to do it. And, you know, if the sleeves asked me to be there, I'm going to try to be there. That's my guy, Lash. That's my guy. <laughs> I knew you way back when before you were a superstar, man. Uh, no, we go way back for sure. Way back, dude. Well, thanks for joining us. I know it's been a whirlwind, a shit show over the last uh, couple 48 hours, but definitely in a good way. But we'll get to a couple serious questions here first. I know you, you know, you tapped in on Sunday, you had your post-round interviews, celebrated that night, I'm sure. But so it hasn't, I don't know if it's had a chance to sink in yet, but has there been a specific moment yet that stands out to you where you where it all sunk in and you were just like, holy shit, my life has just changed forever? You know, not completely. I woke up this morning and I, uh, I kind of had a moment of clarity where I was like, oh, wow, you know, this really did happen. And uh, I'm in New York <laughs> and I'm going on to the, the Today Show here in a little bit. And uh, I'm going to be playing in the Masters. And I mean, it's just, it's just a real feeling. And uh, it hasn't fully sunk in, but I've had some little tidbits here and there where it's hit me. What, more nervous on Sunday afternoon or sitting at the table at the Today Show this morning? Oh, God, not even close on Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, I mean, I wasn't even close. I, I was fine on the Today Show. It's shit. I mean, I can I can talk. You know, I, I'm fine with that. It's getting up on that tee and hitting down the middle when you need to, uh, when there's a lot of pressure on you, that's, uh, that's a lot harder. I love asking guys when they've got their first win and sort of come from a place that you've been and uh, playing mini tours, playing Latino America a couple of years ago, playing the web. Uh, and now you're a PGA Tour champion. What's the biggest perk? I mean, you, you're getting a, a seven-figure paycheck. You're getting uh, an exemption for the next two years. You're getting a trip to Augusta. Uh, what's sort of the biggest perk that comes of winning from uh, from this past week? Uh, I, I don't know if I can name particular one, to be honest with you. I think it's the combination of it all, you know, um, the job security, the Masters. Is, you know, I think that's one of the big ones for me. Obviously, every professional golfer or just golfer in general wants to wants to play Augusta, let alone get to play in the Masters. I mean, you know, getting to go to the British in a couple of weeks is that's just something I've always you know dreamed of, and I've never even been over to Europe, so looking forward to going over there. So it's just yeah, like you said, it's a life changing event, and I'm just looking forward to what it all entails. Never been to Europe. Have you ever played Augusta before? No, I haven't. Both will be first. Uh, well, now that you're in, you can basically go there with a member and like play for the next what. 35 weeks or something like that yeah i figured i'll probably try to get in about 25 to 30 practice rounds mm -hmm. i think that's <laughs> smart i think 40 would be good are you allowed to bring a guest to any of these practice rounds Lash? I, I don't know that's something i'll have to find out look into that immediately because as a guy that kind of yeah. helped mold your career through the years i think a, a couple rounds at augusta is a good way for you to pay me back for all the work i put in with you 
Oh yeah, you deserve it, man. You, you <laughs> thank it. you, thank you. Finally, finally, someone acknowledging that. But Lash, I'll get back to the tournament here briefly. You open up the week with a nice little sixty-three piece on Friday. Nice round, by the way. Good plan. But as a guy who's playing out of the one twenty-six to one fifty category, you know, obviously it's well documented. You had to Monday. You tried to Monday in and played well, but didn't make it. Was there ever a feeling after the first round lead where you're like, hey, first things first, let me just make sure I play well enough to secure my card for the next year? Or at that point after the 63 in round one where you like, screw that, I'm just going to go win this fucking thing? After the first round, I, my goal the week was to, to get in that top 10. You know, um, I figured if I could get one good good, uh, good week in the next five or six, I, I could comfortably get inside that top 125. And my goal was to finish top 10. And then, you know, that first round, and then, you know, I haven't played very well on Friday. So that was big coming out Friday and shooting five under, and that gave me some confidence going into Saturday. Saturday got off to a hot start. And then, uh, you know, about halfway through my round Saturday, I, I, you know, then I was thinking, I was like, hey, man, I, I want to try to open this up and get a, as big a lead as I can going into tomorrow. And I was able to make some more birdies on that back nine, and, and that was huge. It, it makes you nervous at the same time having a big lead, but at the same time, you know, you might – be able to have one hole where you falter or two couple holes, make a couple bogeys, but you're still going to have the lead. Was there ever a point Sunday, you know, you, you go in up six. Was there ever a point where you got like, I mean, obviously you're nervous the entire time. You're trying to win your first PJ Tour event. I know that. But like, was there ever a point in the round where you're like, oh shit, this is kind of getting away from me or any, or like any like self-doubt, I guess, as to like this lead ain't big enough right now? Uh, no, not necessarily. You know, once I, 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 I birdied the first hole, and then I birdied three, so I kind of got off to that. I got off to a nice start again, and that relaxed me for a while. Six was, I made a bogey on six, but that one was playing tough. And uh, and then missing that short putt on nine, that kind of woke me back up a little bit, and uh, got me a little bit more refocused. And and then I would, I think I made birdie on thirteen, and then you know I kind of knew if I could just play solid the rest of the way in, it was going to be tough for somebody to catch me. Nate, I think people, if they didn't know your backstory and your personal tragedies that you dealt with uh, back in college before, what was it like having so much support? I know your your sister, Brooke, your girlfriend, Ashley, were there. You had some friends and other family that were there to, to greet you when you came off 18 on Sunday afternoon. What was it like to have that support from everybody and, and those people uh, so close to you in your life waiting for you on the final green? It was great. You know, uh, obviously... Um... Having people there to share that with was was wonderful. I, I couldn't ask more. I'm glad they came in because they uh, everybody was a little nervous about coming in because nobody's been there all week. So, but you know, getting to getting to um, share that with my friends and my sister, girlfriend, it was it was great. You know, you can't ask for more than a special moment like that, and uh, it's something I'll always remember. Now, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but it was noted on social media your girlfriend's name is Ashley. And I don't know if there are any plans for anything in the future. And I know you've been down this road, I'm sure, uh, talking to her about it and talking to other people in your family about it. But will there at some point be an Ashley Lashley? <laughs> That's yeah, tough. I know. That's just throwing someone right under the bus right I, there. I yeah. really am, R and I. I. I don't mean to go there, but just uh, uh, there were more than a few Julia Gulia gifts that were going on uh, on Twitter on Sunday <laughs> when uh, when they had introduced her and shown her name. So I, I don't mean to put you on the spot there and – uh no, you know no, I, you can deflect fine. that no, I but mean, she's great she's great we'll see what happens i've heard that from from hundreds of people now that, that have <laughs> met us and they, they say oh so you could be ashley lashley it's uh so it's entertaining it's all in good fun though stay strong brother stay strong <laughs>
All right, Lash, I was looking back for a turning point in your career, and um, I was having a hard time pinpointing exactly where it was that I was like, yep, this is Nate's on his way now. But uh, here we I, was go. going, I was going through the archives, dude, and I, I couldn't help but stumble across the 2013 Scotts Bluff Pro-Am. And I think it was at that moment that I was like, yep, Nate is going to succeed in a major way. Can you, can you tell the people a little bit about that event and what happened? And how it may have launched you into your current level of greatness. I don't remember it much, to be honest with you. I just remember, <laughs> I remember some chump winning that I don't, huh. I, who no, nobody knew him at the time. Right. But uh, he was, he was just a, he was kind of a no-name, nice guy. But I don't, I don't think, I don't know if it came to much. But he, uh, he played well that week and got a win. I, I couldn't tell you his name though. I wonder whatever happened to that guy. I bet he's doing I big things though. I like that kid. He had it. Yeah. He I heard he's doing it. podcasts now. He should. He should. He had a hell of a personality, a charismatic young man, if I remember correctly. And God, what a, what a clinic he put on that week at Scott's Bluff. The people are still talking about it up there, from what I'm told. Yeah, they got it. I think they still have a picture of him up. Oh, God. He deserves it. He deserves every bit of it. <laughs> Nate, I don't care. You're, you're a PGA Tour champion. You're going to play in the Open in a couple of weeks. You're going to Augusta. Uh, you've got exemptions. You're never going to lose down losing to Sleaze. Uh, in a mini tour event six years ago, you're just not. Oh, he will never live. Trust me, it will always be brought uh, up. He can win the grand slam. <laughs> he can win the grand slam. Lash, one thing uh -huh. a lot of people don't know about you is that in high school, three time all state basketball player. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Three times. That's pretty. What? So get into your hoops a little bit. What current or former NBA player do you think most resembles your, your on court style of play? Boy, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'd have to go with mm -hmm. somebody that rides the bench but is decent, you know, like comes off the bench, maybe hits a shot or two, talks a little trash, and then mm -hmm. goes back to the bench. Jamal Crawford, maybe. I wasn't that good of a shooter. I like to shoot, though. Of course. But, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I was throwing it up. I was hucking it up when I, when I got my opportunities, that's for sure. But, I, you know, I, I love playing basketball. I grew up playing basketball when I was young, and it was – one of my favorite sports, and I'll never forget uh, how much fun I had in high school basketball. And we had some good teams, and and uh, it was a great time. There's a lot of money in NBA free agency right now. I'm not saying you chose the wrong path. I'm just mm -hmm. saying that you know you could be making 164 million right now over four years. It's just it's out there. It would have been there for you. Uh, Nate, give yeah. me give, give me your starting five of PGA Tour guys. We know Gary Woodland's obviously a good player, played in college. Uh, I believe Russell Henley was a really good high school point guard. Get, give me a couple other guys. Give give me your starting five uh, out of PGA Tour players. And again, I'm putting you on the spot here. Well, I don't know a whole lot. I've heard Gary's a really good basketball player. You know, I got to throw myself in there like point guard. I heard yes. DJ can can mm -hmm. play. I, you said Henley. You throw Henley in there. And then, uh, I don't know. I got to follow. Gotta find like a, a tall, lanky guy. You know, I don't know. Maybe like a uh, Cheston Hadley. I could see him stepping out and, and knocking <laughs> down some shots. I, I don't know. That I don't see him. If, I, if I'm GM of this team, I'm not allowing that acquisition. No, you're not allowing Cheston? I'm not allowed, uh, Chesson. I'm going to replace Chesson with a guy who actually knows your game. I could see Harris English being a good basketball player. What about your boy Rick Barnes? He actually sent me some texts about your game. I was doing a little intel on your basketball game. That's a guy that comes in there and will use six fouls, and he will use them well. Barnes loved to throw throw uh, throw his body around a little bit. <laughs> he was a decent player. He uh, had some game. He was more of a bruiser. 
But uh, yes. couldn't couldn't shoot really. Just just pretty much rebounded and threw the ball to me when we were playing the wreck. Smart. He's like an <laughs> effort guy. He's the guy that always oh, yeah. fouls out and always has the most floor burns at the end of the game. Oh yeah, yeah. And, he had a lot of heart. The most. You know, we we gave him the heart award. Y'all played intramurals together, right? Yeah, yeah. We played a lot of basketball there for a couple of years that we were in school together. Well, Lash, we'll get out of here. I'll, I got one last question for you, and we'll let you go and go talk to uh, Oprah or Carson Daly or whatever, whoever else you got to <laughs> talk to the rest of the day today. But seeing that you just won uh, for the first time, and, and you not only won, but you basically just boat raced the entire field for the, for the whole week, which doesn't really happen often. And now that you've proven to yourself that you can do it, what do you think your ceiling is? Like, does this change your goals going forward now that you've got this one under your belt and said, like, yo, I can do it. Like, you know, I've done it now. Now, now where do I go from there? Has this changed your outlook on what you're, what you're trying to achieve going forward? Oh, well, yeah, definitely. You know, my goal basically for the end of the year was to finish strong, try to get a couple of top tens and get comfortably inside that top 125. And uh, getting a win changes everything. You know, I think I've moved all the way up to 40th. So really my goal now is to try to get inside that top 30 and make the uh, tour championship. Nate, last one from me. Uh, we're about to go through our picks this week and who we like at the uh, 3M Open, the inaugural tournament in Minnesota here. Uh, you think about going back-to-back at an inaugural tournament to get the first trophy at both of these things? What, what should we think about you this week uh, on, the, mm. on the comeback after this thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if I can hit it like I did last week, you know, golf, golf's a fickle sport, though, man. It's not easy to to play great week-to-week, you know. If uh, But if I, I've been hitting it great, if I can continue to – Hit it like that, make some putts. You know, you, you never know. You could uh, have another chance. But there's, like you it. know, there's 155 other great players in the field, so it's never easy to uh, to go back to back or even to just have a have another chance to win on back to back weeks. Have you heard from anyone that said they bet on you last week? I heard of some, I heard of one guy that did. That was like it was like after the first round or something like that. Okay. But I didn't know much about it, and then and then there were some guys at the club that bought me in the Calcutta for a very low price apparently and 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 cashed in pretty well i like it good that would be a tough one just because you got in wednesday so uh that's good bet by those guys yeah people helping people well lash we're trying to make huge headlines here so if you want to go ahead and guarantee a victory this week uh on this podcast (laughs) that would be really good for us so go ahead and just give us like a one sentence Uh, guarantee if you want be really good for us dude no i'm kidding i'm gonna guarantee that i'm gonna be teeing it up on thursday that's good enough. That's news too. Break that with Phil. Yeah, I know. That's uh, I got It's great. I got I get to play with Phil and Tony this week. Man, I'm uh, really looking forward to it. I, it's, I'm just. I'm gonna remember this pairing for a while. Yeah, that's pretty sweet, man. Well, I think I speak for almost everyone out there when I say how cool it was to watch you win this week, and especially for you know those who have who have known you a long time and, and know the hard work and effort you put in to put yourself in this position congratulations man you, you deserve all of it really cool to watch and look forward to watching more of it uh, going forward and thank you so much for taking the time to join us dude thanks guys i appreciate you uh having me on and uh, all the support and everything you said about me is great i really appreciate it you got it man sobel and i'll be on the lookout for those masters invites just give us like a Give us at least 24 hours heads up, but we'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll fly the plane down there. No problem. We got a podcast plane. All right, I'll put some in the mail. You got awesome. it. Thanks, Lash. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Nate Lashley for joining us on the podcast. And as promised, Peter Jennings uh, back on with us now, regular contributor to our pod, uh, talking golf every single week here on the Action Network podcast. And 
Peter, I, my question for you, because Nate Lashley didn't get in until Wednesday last week, was not available on any of the major DFS sites, DraftKings or FanDuel. Has that ever happened before? I mean, ever is a long time. There's been DFS for a while, but has a winner of a golf tournament ever not been available on the two major DFS sites? Yeah, it's a great question. I can't remember it happening. Uh, obviously, they get most people in on the the Tuesday or, you know, obviously from the Monday qualifier, but Nate got in so late uh, and it was interesting sweating because no one had him. So you're sweating those second place points and he just ran away with it. Uh, one just gambling thing related to Nate and Chez. We've seen two guys come in uh, with six-stroke leads. Chez was in the market around minus 350, which just seemed outrageous. Nate was around minus 450, and I saw some sharp people on golf Twitter talking about having these guys like minus 600, minus 700. So potentially some value if you see these huge gaps between first uh, place and second place, even if it's not a you know top-tier player like DJ or Kepka. Uh, I saw some true prices around minus 650 for Lashley last week. So two weeks in a row of you bet on Sunday on Chez or on Nate, uh, it worked out really well. Yeah, kind of strange. Uh, two six-shot leads going into the final round last couple of weeks. We don't see that too often, but kind of tough to lose a six-shot lead. It doesn't happen too much. It can happen. Two Whisper Rock members also back-to-back six-shot leads going into Saturday. I'm not saying there's a, there's a, there's a trend there, but that's pretty good. I'm basically picking sleaze in every single lineup on for the 3M Open this week in Minnesota. How quick can you get to Minnesota? Not quick enough. I, it doesn't Want matter. No part of it. We're, we're going to get you there by Sunday with a six-shot lead. How's that sound? If you find me on Sunday, six-shot lead, I'll get you a top 20. I guarantee you. <laughs> guarantee you. Well, let's start talking Minnesota, guys. Uh, I, I don't know. Just like uh, what, what are we looking at? The course, what, TBC Twin Cities. I was going over it. I know it's been lengthened. I know there's some rough there, but each of the last two years, the eventual winner, Paul Goidos in 17, Kenny Perry last year, has shot 60 in the middle of the three rounds of a PGA Tour Champions event. That does not strike me as a place where guys are going to struggle to break par this week. I'll put it that way. I think we could see a winning score, maybe even lower than the 25 under that we saw in Detroit last week, Sleaze. Yeah, I'm with you. From the from the guys that I've talked to that are playing in this this week, they said, here's the scoop. Fairways are very big, even by tour standards. The rough is somewhat penal, but if you miss the fairway, you definitely deserve to be penalized because they give you more than enough room to hit the fairways. And 7,400 yards, I mean, it's a little bit longer than last week, but the greens, from what I've been told, don't have quite the slope that um, that they saw last week in Detroit. I just think anytime you get – name the length of the golf course. You can make it whatever you want. If you make the fairways easy to hit – Guys are going to shoot low. They're just so good from playing from the fairway. I think this week uh, is going to be another just absolute shootout like last week. Obviously, Lashley kind of ran away from the field there and made the winning score look even more so than what the rest of the field did. But I I just don't see – looking at these senior tour scores they threw out there, okay, you added 300 yards of length, great. These guys hit it 40 yards further than the average senior tour guy. I think we're in for another absolute shootout this week. Well, I was messaging with the guy who caddied for Mark Baldwin, who got in on Monday. Shout out to Mark. Great guy. Hope he plays well. And he expected a little tougher course. Um, and maybe they're biased, you know, coming from the web.com and, you know, being out there. He said the rough was really penal, but still, I expect really, really good scores. You know, the senior tour guys tearing it up. The rough can be penal. The fairways are as wide as Sleaze says. 
I just think these guys are going to tear it up. So if you said choose over under minus 25 winning, I'd probably take minus 24 and under, but uh, it's going to, it's going to be uh, a lot of birdies and should be great for DFS. I, I like the format when there's a lot of birdies and opportunities versus just grinding it out for pars because more things going to happen over the weekend. We yeah. usually talk recency bias in terms of specific players. Like, oh, so-and-so had a T6 last week. So everyone's on him because he's going to play well. I feel like this week the recency bias is going to be, hey, last week, inaugural event, got to go really low. Nate Lashley, out of nowhere, comes out and wins the golf tournament. So this week, inaugural tournament, got to go really low. So by that same measure, we're going to have a guy come out of nowhere, and we just got to identify who that guy is. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I think a lot of people are looking for that 150 to 1, 200 to 1, 250 to 1 type of play this week that can go out there and win this golf tournament. Do you guys see something like that happening again? Or is that too much, just like I said, recency bias? Like we're just thinking about what happened on Sunday and we think this could be a similar tournament. And so we're overlooking the big names of the field and we're looking towards the bottom instead. Yeah, I, th- I think these tournaments are kind of getting lumped together because they're very similar. They're both in the Midwest. Both new venues on the PGA Tour. We've never seen him before. Kind of in the middle of the season here, right before the British Open. I think they're getting compared whether or not the courses play anything alike at all. And I think the difference, the big difference between last week and this week is this week has a lot more big names at the top. I think it's very top-heavy. But you got you got Brooks Kepka, Hideki, Jason Day, DeChambeau, Patrick Rita. There's five guys right there that are big names in the world of golf. There were fewer last week in terms of big names. So just the odds are that like, hey, there's fewer huge names here. Maybe we'll see somebody that hasn't ever won before win this thing. This week, you know, you don't have all the big names, obviously, as we approach British Open time and guys are going overseas and things like that. I think these two are being lumped together just because they're both brand new venues back-to-back weeks on the PGA Tour. But I don't see any like, oh, yeah, last week, you know, an out-of-nowhere guy won. That means we'll definitely have one again this week because it's another new course in the Midwest right before a major. But when you only got, you know, five, really five, like, kind of big-name guys on the board, the odds are just somebody that's maybe not, you know, a top 20 player in the world is going to win this thing. Peter, what do you think? Are those big-name guys, Sleaze mentioned a bunch of them right there. We got Kepka, Matsuyama, uh, DeChambeau, Day, Reed. Uh, you like one of those guys to, to maybe make a little push at this thing, or are we thinking uh, sort of more towards the mid-tier and the long shots? I like a lot of the young guns that are uh, kind of up and coming uh, in this field. I do think DeChambeau, who's getting a lot of respect from the markets, is a, a really strong play towards the top. Hard to trust Brooks. Uh, obviously, he's you know, one of the best players in the world, but if there's a spot where he might just you know, be looking on to, the, you know, the Open Championship, it would be here. He, in the matchups anyways, you know, he's not uh, as favored as he normally would be. Got to give a lot of respect to Matsuyama, too, who's just a cut machine right now. He has uh, the record on tour. or he's I think he's made 23 cuts in a row or something like that. At the top, there's definitely some compelling guys, but uh, I want to get into some other golfers. I think there's uh, a lot of these young players that have gotten some hype, but uh, now there's uh, been some good play out of some of them, and I, I definitely see some promise in the, the guys right out of college, too. Yeah, Bryson's my guy that I like this week. If you're, if you're betting outrights, if you're looking for a one-and-done pool type of guy, if you're um, looking for a guy to anchor, anchor your DFS lineup, I, I like Bryson a lot. Also like Matsuyama, who you mentioned. Really, I, the guys at the top, I, I really like all of them. I mean, Day, uh, I think with his third event with Steve Williams on the bag is going to be a nice play. I think they're getting into a nice little rhythm. And, and I think uh, uh, Victor Hovland's a good play. Joaquin Neiman's a good play. I mean, all these guys are sort of right there near the top. 
Ben Coley, who does a lot of good work uh, uh, on betting and fantasy type stuff uh, on, on the European side of things, made a correlation to Bay Hill for this event. It's an Arnold Palmer design. Um, he thinks that there could be some, uh, some correlation, pointed out some senior tour wins of players who had played really well on both of these golf courses, both Bay Hill and TBC Twin Cities. You look at some of these guys near the top, I mean, obviously, Hideki's played well at Bay Hill, at least. Uh, DeChambeau, Reed, I mean, these all the guys I just mentioned, uh, there's some correlation. Do you guys see anything from that? Is there any other event that we can take from, hey, you know, if a guy plays well at X, he may play well at TBC Twin Cities as well this week? Yeah, I think it's easy to look at just the who the architect is, right, and say, oh, this guy plays good at Donald Ross, or this guy plays good at uh, Nicholas or Palmer or whoever it is. So, I mean, obviously, I guess Bay Hill is the um, the comparative course that's that's being used this week for Twin Cities. I only know what I've seen from the senior tour players and only know what I've heard from the guys that are playing there this week. And so I'm, I don't necessarily look at, like, oh, he played well at Bay Hill. He'll definitely play here. I just look at, like, the guys that are there are saying, look, this is a, these have huge fairways. Guys are going to hit a lot of drivers, and the guys that hit long have an advantage, more so than last week in Detroit where I think length was less of a factor than it will be this year or this week. I'm just looking at guys that I think um, kind of fit that narrative from a course design perspective. But, yeah, like architects tend to have, you know, similar designs or things that overlap from course to course. And so if, if Arnold Palmer is the guy this week, I think it's safe to say, like, yeah, you could take a little bit of past history on, on Arnold Palmer designs like Bay Hill and say, yeah, all right, well, that guy played well there. There's a chance he'll play well this week. But I put more into, like, recent form and things like that than I do. This guy always plays well on Donald Ross or things like that. You know what I mean? I'm on the same page, Sleaze. I'm looking at the Bombers here and looking at guys with current form. I did see the Bay Hill comp. Maybe that's a, a tiebreaker. But to me, get the guys who are playing well, who have motivation here, and uh, favoring the Bombers for sure. And maybe you can find some of the guys who aren't quite Bombers in tournaments. I, I do think, especially in a course where we don't have history, you can, you know, there's a common consensus, which it does seem like everyone's talking about Bombers this week. Maybe in tournaments you can be a little contrarian taking, the, you know, the guys are kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of distance but for cash games highest equity plays i, I really do like the bombers like useless we're gonna get into doing our DraftKings lineup which has become a staple over the last couple of weeks just because we make really good lineups apparently and i don't know why we haven't been doing that for more tournaments lately so we're gonna keep doing that until we start failing miserably and then uh, we'll, we'll still stop. do it or we'll still do it and we'll just lose your money we're okay with that uh let's talk matchups though for a little bit uh before we get there um sleaze you have been driving the Victor Hovland bus yes. the last few weeks. I've been just kind of patiently jogging alongside it, watching you. Mm-hmm. Uh, played, played well in Connecticut, played really well last week in Detroit, especially the last round. If he's not burnt out, because he's played a lot of golf over the last month, month and a half. I like him this week. He's got a matchup where he's an underdog. He's plus money against Tony Finau, who's missed three straight cuts after a runner-up finish at Colonial. I love Victor Hovland in this matchup. I'm with you all the way, my man. No need. I knew to, you would be. No need to sell me on this. I got three straight straight weeks of Victor Hovland. Huge plus money at the U.S. Open for Low Am Chicken. Plus money, I believe, at the Travelers. Whatever the matchup was, he won. He won last week again against Bubba, which was more of a Bubba fade. And we're very pro Hovland. That was an easy winner before the weekend. I will not quit a guy until he gives me a reason to quit him. And right now, Victor is giving me absolutely zero reason to quit him. You mentioned the Tony Finau bet where he's plus money i actually for some weird reason think this is maybe a week where tony kind of figures it out um but he had another matchup that i saw against keegan bradley he's minus 105 and when you look at this golf course keegan very good tee to green 
a very good driver of the golf ball. But right now, Victor Hovland is probably the best driver of the golf ball in the game for total driving. He's very long, wow. but he's also very accurate. I do not see him playing very often from the rough this week, given how big these fairways are and how well he drives it. He's coming off a final round 64, 13th place finish at the Rocket Mortgage. I don't, I don't see like stamina being an issue as I do with some of these veteran guys that have played three, four, five weeks in a row. I think Victor's ramped up. I think he's starting to really maybe get comfortable out there a little bit, having played a handful of these in a row and still gunning for that, uh, for that PGA Tour car or at least an exemption into web finals. So I'm riding him again, dude. You like him over Finau. I'm taking him over Bradley. Um, I think Bradley caught a hot week last time we saw him. Uh, he putted really well at the Travelers. It's typically not his forte. If he doesn't putt well, I think he kind of gets uh, lost in the, in the mix in a, in a shootout-type golf course that we expect this to be this week. But I will keep betting Hovland until I lose. Like, no questions asked. And uh, you like Finau, I like the Bradley bet. I might end up betting both of them. Wait a second. You just said Victor Hovland is the best driver of the golf ball in the Dude, world? statistically, since he came out, I know after the Travelers Champion. So it's only been a few weeks. U.S. Open and Travelers, he was the best driver. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, he's one shot better. He was blowing the field away in terms of total – or strokes gained driving, I should say. Strokes gained driving. He yeah. led the field at the U.S. Open, which is the toughest driving venue on the PGA Tour. He did it again the next week at, the, at uh, Travelers. It was also one of the best strokes gained tee to green. Dude, he's an absolute animal. So right now, I mean, granted, the sample size is small. You've got to put him in the mix. It's like starting when he started playing professional events, he is one of, if not the best drivers of the golf ball in the game right now. And that little double pump he does when he needs some extra, when he wants that extra gear, I love that. Yeah, I'll give that to you. By the way, number one in total driving on the PGA Tour this season, his name is Friend of the Pod. Brendan, uh, yeah, Brendan yeah, the pod, yeah, yeah. Brendan Steele. There you go. Oh, hashtag steel season. It is this is great one more guy. week. Get into him. Yeah, That's, yeah. This, this pod, I think for him. This could be the week. This could be the week. Uh, Peter, matchups. Anybody else you're looking at matchup wise to smash this week? Yeah, let's stay on the young guns stance here. Morikawa, yeah. I think, is yes. another really talented dude. I've been so impressed for him by him, and he's up against Daniel Berger, and I've seen him anywhere from. Plus money, uh, it's like minus 110, minus 115, basically as a coin flip. And you want to shop for the best line, but I like him straight up over Berger for sure. And if you can get him at plus money, that's just a, a bonus. So uh, he's a guy that I'm buying a ton of. I think Hovland, Wolf, and Morikawa are the, the, you know, the young guys you want to be buying. And Daniel Berger has been up and down. I just, you know, hopefully he can get it back, but I'm not extremely bullish on him this week. And uh, I'll be betting Morikawa for a while. I think he's going to be right there. With Hovland and Wolf is one of the top young guns. And, uh, yeah, this is a great week to jump on. Let me jump in there real quick, Peter, because I was actually the only other bet that I had highlighted for the week was Morikawa over Daniel Berger. I'm getting it minus 105 on my book. But Morikawa, also unbelievable player, Tita Green, uh, was one of the tops in the field at the U.S. Open in terms of total ball striking. I love him this week. I think he's fantastic. And, and just to elaborate on kind of what you said, Daniel Berger, last five events, 71st, 53rd, 35th, 49th, MC. I think you got two guys on total different trajectories right now. And that in the fact that Morikawa's got the same incentives that Hovland has in terms of like trying to get a tour card, trying to get into web.com finals, things like that. I love that bet. So those were the only two that I had, both young guns. And uh, I just wanted to piggyback off what you said that I love that Morikawa. Berger bet. usually plays well in New England. I was on him at the Travelers. He missed the cut, as you mentioned there. He's dead to me for a little bit. Uh, I like yeah. Morikawa as well this week. Two matchups that I like real quick. I like going sort of Lower on the board, with, and I have it with this one. Mackenzie Hughes, 
Last five first rounds. This is almost more of a first-round leader type bet, but it works in the matchup. Last five Thursdays, 66, 64, 66, 68, 67, going real low. He's matched up, from what I saw, against Martin Laird, who's mixed the cut in six events so far this year. Could be over on Friday. Those are the matchups we like where we don't have to sweat them over the weekend. Uh, I like Hughes to at least go low on Thursday again, put up a nice number. And if Laird misses the cut, I mean, you could be cashing this thing in by Friday afternoon. The other one, like I said, I like going smaller names, lesser guys. I think there's some value. I'm going big names on this one. We have not talked about him yet, but Brooks Kepka, I'm on full fade when it's not a major championship. Majors, give me every bit of Kepka that you can get me. Uh, non-majors, it just shows he, he's just not quite motivated. He wasn't motivated in Connecticut, wasn't motivated in Canada. I don't see him being motivated in Minnesota to go out there and prove something about winning non-majors to people. I've got Jason Day minus 105 over Brooks Kepka. I think Day starting to work with Steve Williams, hasn't won anywhere in 14 months, sort of needs a win, certainly must, much more than Brooks Kepka needs to prove something to himself, get some momentum. Kepka doesn't need any of that. I like Day in this matchup. Yeah, if you're on that fade Kepka and everything but majors train, there's also a Matsuyama bet out there that I got at Matsuyama at plus 100, which I'm big on Matsuyama this week. I tend to be like you, Sobel. I don't like to bet the huge heavy hitters every week, the, the top guys in the field. I think there's better bets to be made out there. But if you are in line with what Sob is saying and you want to go on a, on a Kepka fade, I think that Matsuyama is a very good bet just, ba- just based on the fact that Matsuyama is really coming into stride. Peter mentioned how many cuts he's made in a row and Tita Green, very few better than him. So if you think Brooks is kind of on a snoozer this week, just kind of tuning up a little bit before, before the open, I think that Matsuyama one at plus 100 is not a bad play either. Fellas, you ready to make the people lots of money? Let's win all the money. I mean, we've made them some money already. Let's get them the big money right here. Let's do a a little DraftKings lineup. You guys got your DraftKings out there, Peter? I know you got all the numbers memorized already. And uh, maybe this week we'll be able to actually get a winner into our lineup. That was impossible last week, as we mentioned earlier, with Nate Lashley uh, winning but not getting into the field until Wednesday, not being available on DFS. So uh, even we couldn't have picked Nate Lashley last week. So – who wants to kick it off? Let's do a young guns lineup here. Let's let's get Hovland and Morikawa like in there. Done. Uh, Morikawa is going to be my number one draft. He's seventy nine hundred, so fire him up in there, Peter. And if you want Hovland as well, which I feel like we're all pretty bullish on this week, he's ninety one hundred. If you guys are doing that, you guys want young guns, then I'm throwing Joaquin Neiman in there. I meant to mention him betting. He's finally coming to form. I picked him basically every time last year. Uh, just a guy I'm super impressed with. And you look at his stats. Uh, you know, he struggled with the putter at times, but a lot of the really key data points that you want to see in a golfer he has, and uh, he's starting to play some great golf. So I, I love that pick. All right, give me another one. we got 7,900 average left for the last three. That's good math. I'll fire mine out, and I'll let you guys have the last two. And I'm going to go Luke List, strictly based on course fit. Bomb City, a guy that's potential is absolutely massive. I think it's just inevitable that at some point this guy puts it together because he's got all the tools to be a great player on the PJ Tour. If he can get one week where that putter cooperates with him he's going to be right there and probably peel off a a win uh you know relatively soon so i'm going to go a little off the grid 7400 but i like luke list just based on course fit like that too i'll take a guy who's got really good current form starting to get popular on DraftKings too uh peter melnotti has been playing great golf coming off a 29th he was 30 at the travelers 31st at the canadian open 17th at the memorial uh, just been a cut machine, and at 7,800, I like him uh, with these guys, which leaves 8,500 for you, Sobel. Yeah, Phil Mickelson, Hal, Lashley, Piercy, you could leave some money on the table. There's a lot of options there. Yeah, I think I'm just going to go with the old uh, 
NBA, NFL draft theory of best player available. And uh, I got Charles Howell sitting there. He's like your DFS bingo square usually. Just he, he might not win the golf tournament, but he's probably not coming in last. And he's probably making the weekend. He's probably going to make a whole bunch of birdies. And, and I just feel like this is another week. You can plug in Howell. Looks like he's over that injury that he had a couple of months ago. And uh, plug him in. He should, uh, he should do pretty well, and he should score some points this week. Is it bad form to not pick the guest of the podcast in our DFS no. lineup. It's a fair point. The, he wouldn't the, guarantee it, though. He, he only would. guaranteed he'd be playing on Thursday. I don't like that guarantee. Right. He could still be a little hungover. He's been on the Today Show. He's probably going on, you know, Letterman or whoever's still out there right now. He's got he's got googly <laughs> eyes right now. So maybe he takes a knee this week and says, you know what? Life's pretty good. Uh, I'll just soak it up this week. But, uh, yeah, I like the Howell pick, honestly. That's, uh, and you leave 100 bucks on the table. Well, actually, eighty three hundred. Not in the field. Not available on DraftKings. Like I don't. I he. I, I can only imagine how many times he's been clicked on this year. Eighty three hundred. I mean, that what an accomplishment. Eighty three hundred on DraftKings. I mean, I'd give everything for that. Sleez, I love the Letterman reference. It's like you haven't watched late night TV since you were in seventh grade. Is Johnny Carson still out there? I love Johnny Carson. Maybe he'll hop on Carson this week. He deserves it. <laughs> He got on our podcast, which uh, Man, oh, I, I know who's out there, dude. It's it's James Corwin or what Corbin. Yeah, What's his name? There you go. He's gonna be doing some carpool karaoke. Carpool karaoke, I love that shit. So maybe Lash. I don't know that Lash has much of a of a singing voice, but uh, it would be worth good money to see him have to sing out loud on national TV because he's not a huge spotlight guy. That's why all the stuff that's right. happening to him right now is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. I, I was able to, and I didn't bring it up in the interview, but I wrote about him a few years ago and just kind of everything he's been through in his story. And uh, this is, as I mentioned before, probably one of the best feel good stories we've had on the PGA tour in an awful long time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. So that's our lineup. Hovland, Howell, List, Melnati, Morikawa, Neiman. Mm. Bank it right there. Dumb squad minus Charles. Charles is our, our trusty veteran. Yeah, you need a, a veteran guiding the youngsters, telling them where to go out to eat that night, you know, like uh, what to do on the road and stay away from, you know, the Temptation. girls who, uh, uh, you know, you, you should got to stay away from. I'll put it that way. Temptation. Yes. Yeah. I actually love this squad. It's freaking awesome. So hopefully we can keep it going. A lot of pressure on us, boys, to, to deliver another DraftKings winner here. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Pete. Heavier is the head that doesn't put in the lineup. Heavier yeah. is the head that pops up 200 grand. That's also yeah, an old the, the head is down and then the fetal position. I'll just say that. It's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so happy we got the interview. Nate, obviously, had an incredible story. Great job, guys. Uh, should be a fun week in Minnesota here with the 3M Championship. The Open Championship will be here really soon. DraftKings stuff is already posted. Uh, it's going to be an awesome week. And for Jason, for Drew, I'm Peter. Good luck this week.